Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, Sixers fans all across the continental United States and all over the world. It is a sad day on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. It is the Out of Sight Podcast. I am still your host, Adio Royster. Chill ride, chill vibes. But uh, th- those chill vibes also have some depressing vibes as well. Because the Philadelphia 76ers, your Philadelphia 76ers, have been bounced once again early in the playoff run. This time by the Atlanta Hawks and their curly cued superstar, Trey Young. I still don't particularly know how to feel about this, but we're going to discuss it anyway. And because it's Monday at the time of this recording, it's unfortunate that I can't get the homie Steve Lippman, a.k.a. Stevie J, on the podcast because he would always have some kind of bright spin. But you know what? I got Dave early. He's a Liberty Ballers contributor. He's the host of the No Particular Hurry podcast. And you know what? If Steve is one, then Dave is one A. Dave, I, uh, could, should we just start by asking ourselves, like, how much that sucked on Sunday? Oh, man, it was definitely one of the most uh, painful games, painful sporting events I think I've ever consumed. <laughs> And that's saying a lot, given what happened in game five. I mean, yeah, that's saying a lot. Game five, 26 points at the crib. Game game seven at the crib. I felt good. I mean, oh, God. All right, let me just ask this question. Mm -hmm. In, In your heart of hearts, in all honesty, would you have just preferred if they just lost in six and just get it over with? Um, no, no, I think, I think the way, if they had just lost in six, we would be talking all about these epic meltdowns. Um, the way it happened, it provides important information and some really difficult questions for the front office to consider, uh, over the off season, you know? So I think there's there's an opportunity in the agony that we fans suffer. Let's let's start with some of the positives from game seven. And we'll start in the middle mm-hmm. because Joel Embiid once again did literally everything he could to carry this damn team to a game seven victory and came up a little short. Mm-hmm. Can, can we just discuss how bonkers 
Joel was in the series. I mean, you remember you had me on when we first heard that he had a lateral tear in his meniscus, and I was I wasn't sure that I wanted to see him in the playoffs at all. Right. And I didn't know what he would look like when we saw that he was going to play <laughs> in, in, <laughs> in game one. He personally said, I'm going to overcome like a 56 point deficit and make this a game. And he did. And I was like, what am I watching here? Who is this superhuman person? Uh, and he is. He's he's just ridiculous. He's on a per game basis. He was the best player in the NBA this season to me. Um and I know you could put out a few other guys, but he, he's the guy. He was the two-way force. His, the first half of the year he had before he got hurt, he was just completely ridiculous. The next person I'm going to discuss is Seth Curry. Mm-hmm. And there's some, there's some pluses and some minuses there with Seth. Plus, obviously, in incredible, incredible series shooting from Seth Curry. Haven't seen anything like it since J.J. Reddick was here. Absolutely mm. incredible showing from Seth Curry this series. Yeah, I mean, what can you say? It's just, it's almost uh, – didn't we talk, like, early on in the season where like, I can't believe that Joel Embiid is making all of his mid-range shots. It just feels like he's never going to miss one, and you feel that way about Seth. It's like – surely he can't also hit this next one and then it it barely moves the net and you're like man this guy is wet he's a machine he's an absolute machine yeah (laughs) it was crazy to watch but then on the flip side the other thing that was crazy to watch which reminds me a lot of when jj was here red velvet (laughs) him getting absolutely abused on the on the opponent's offensive end the flame throwing ginger. <laughs> that was just I that was just crazy to me. And I get wanting to leave Curry in for offense. And we'll get to Doc's rotations in a minute. Boy, are we gonna get to Doc's rotations? But I I think you kind of have to live by that, die by that. Like if Kevin Herter is the one that's going off, you just kind of have to live with that, I guess, for a, for a little bit. Yeah, you know how Brett Brown used to say, like, what sword do you want to fall on? If you're if you're making a postmortem, as Popovich would say, like, how are you going to lose? We we limit Trey Young, uh, we limit Bogdanovich with his knee injury, and we can't limit we can't limit Herder, who's got like four inches on Seth, and uh, he, you know he rumbles for twenty seven. You hold him to one hundred and three at home. You, I think you sign up for that in a heartbeat, and you pop a, pop the cork, right? You you popped the cork a little bit as uh, Furkan did in the in the first <laughs> you know quarter I guess. Uh, but Trey, uh, honestly, I don't know how the hell we lost that game with Trey going five of twenty three from the floor. I have no idea how we lost that game. I'm Marvel. looking at the stat sheets. I'm looking at everything. I have no idea how we lost that game. But here we are on Tuesday we, we morning. We shot forty two percent from the field. And somehow, oh my goodness. All right. Tobias Harris had kind of a up and down series. Aside from game five, I think Tobias had a pretty decent series. He was a legit 20 point scorer for six out of the seven games. So I'm not too 
terribly upset with Tobias in this series. Definitely feel better about this playoff run than the last playoff run. You agree? Uh, Tobias, Tobias as a player from this year, last year? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, uh, you know, the recency bias, the last thing you see is all you can see. <laughs> <laughs> um, in his last three games that he played, he was two for 11, nine of 20, eight of 24. And unlike Ben Simmons, who I'm sure we'll get to. Oh, that's to- coming. When Tobias Harris has a game like that, it really, really hurts. It now, really it's, shows. It, it's not like he, he's also limiting a superstar to 5 of 23 with this performance that allows you to get that many chances to win a ball game if someone could get hot. But when Tobias does that and he's running ISOs and, and he's just can't even hit a layup, and not finishing. I was just going to say. Unequivocally destroys your chances. <laughs> I, I have enjoyed how later on in the series, uh, Tobias would just switch on to Trey Young when they caught him in a switch and he just said, you know what? F it. I'll guard Trey for this possession. It's mm-hmm. fine. As mm-hmm. opposed to walking away from it or shying away from it. I think that- he surprised me late in the series with some pretty good D like for, for the task that he was then tasked with occasionally i think he did a pretty good job and there then there was the one where it was like 88 87 and trey kind of lost the handle on his own and toby makes this half-hearted effort to like maybe trap or go steal the loose ball and trey just walks by him and, and lobs it to capella and it was like toby you had it you had it. you had it it was right there great defense and then he just, uh, you know, lost his focus. From good defense to mediocre slash kind of bad defense, uh, Matisse had a horrible game seven. Matisse had a bad series. I looked up the series stats. He was the team's biggest negative in the plus minus per minute department. Um, you'd think an all NBA second team defender like that might get a better whistle against Trey. He just didn't the whole series. And the whistle, one thing, listen, whistles are one thing or another, and that's just something you have to deal with in the NBA. If you're, yep. Trey, if you're Trey Young going up against Matisse Thibel, Trey Young is going to get those calls. But what I will not excuse and what I will not uh, make any bones about, I'm incredibly upset about it even now, Matisse, there's no need to foul Trey or even to come close to Trey's airspace on that dagger three that put the Hawks up. What was that? 90 to 84 herder. He fouled herder. He hit him in the head. There's, there's no, there's no need for that. It's just the end of the game. They were down by one. It wasn't a good shot. I don't think it would have went in. Even if he had a clean look at it, you have to know you have to be situational there. Matisse. I'm sorry. I got to throw, I got to throw you under the bus right there. I, I love your YouTubes and your Instagrams and all like that, but that right there, sorry, you got to wear that one, my guy. Matisse, Matisse is such a such a stand-up guy that you know that that's going to absolutely eat at him all offseason. I feel really bad for him. His instincts are to gamble, and, and we knew that when we acquired him, and he made huge strides this year, sort of toning down the fouls and picking his spots, and then in that moment, uh, you know, it's crunch time in a game seven at home, his first game that was ever like that. 
and uh, he went for one of his sort of from behind blocks that he couldn't reach and just just ended the game. As as bad as Matisse was defensively in this series and pretty much offensively too. Like he had a couple of big threes in the series and that's all great, but Oh my God, Dwight Howard. <laughs> I'm so glad he's only on a one-year contract. M- minus 29 over his last 142 playoff minutes, as you wrote in your recap piece. I mean, I don't, I don't ever want to see Dwight Howard again. I, <laughs> I, not... I thought it was a great, I thought it was a great idea. Dwight is what he is. He knows what he has to do. But I'm sorry, Dwight. I can't with you anymore. I can't do it. Your frosty freeze out routines are hilarious. Your Instagram posts with the free frosties are hilarious, but I, I can't do it next year. Dwight, I'm sorry. I can't do it. See, I really like Dwight. The, the only time I'm not mad at Dwight right now. The only times I get mad at Dwight are his like very weird flagrant fouls or ejections. Yeah. Uh, I get really mad at his moving screens because that's like, it's not just a turnover. It's a team foul. Like it, it, it really hurts when he does those moving screens um especially in tight games and especially in tight games like sunday where he gets called for flagrant it's two shots in the ball and it's a four-point swing the other way i'm just like jesus dwight come on but but i mean i think i wrote like thousands and thousands of words beginning i don't even know january march uh about like how this is going to go and it it happened that way and it's just you know, I'm not, I'm, this is like the opposite of a victory lap. I'm not saying I told you so. I'm saying this really hurts me. Right. That, that us doofuses who write for blogs saw this coming and the 76ers for all of their brilliant minds and basketball minds and analytic minds just had no answer for what felt like the most impending doom minutes minus 37 in the four games they lost. Like, just don't do it. Figure out some viable alternative remember Derek Bodner writing about this with Boban Marjanovic two years ago. He was like, yeah, I know Boban's helped things right now. Is this really going to work by round one or two? And it was the exact same thing, like all year. It's like, are you really going to do this again to us? I, I, I wonder, I, I, he, he's out there and I'm sure he's going to want to secure the bag. But listen, Nerlens, if you'll take a vet minimum, we'd love to have you back, my man. I'm oh serious. Oh my god, you know I'm they absolutely could, serious. They probably could have sold him on that because heading into his free agency, Mitchell Robinson was going to be the starter. I don't know if he was going to get big minutes. We could have said, "Look, we're going to load manage Joe 20 games. You're going to get to start 20 games." So you might, might be for it. You might not be able to secure the bag in the, the first year with us, but that next contract, uh, you'll be able to secure that bag. And this time we won't trade you for a for, for a fake first rounder. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think maybe he wouldn't have wanted to come back. Maybe the ownership wouldn't have wanted to have him back, but there's a there was a basketball argument to persuade him to come last offseason, and he might have been open to it. All right, it, it's time to discuss one of two things that are like the, the, the hard, the hard negatives of this series. Let's start on the bench and we'll get we'll get to the we'll get to the elephant in the room last. Uh, let's just 
ripped the Band-Aid off. Doc Rivers' rotations were atrocious. They were absolutely atrocious. In a game seven, there's no reason ever to run Tobias Harris and an all-bench lineup. Seeing those lineups come out, Dave, what what were you even thinking? Because I don't know what the hell Doc was thinking. Well, see, he... If you followed the the Sixers storyline all year, it was like, all right, at some point it became very clear that Joel Embiid is going to have to sit at points and you're going to have to play um, some backup minutes here. And then you can't play Ben and Dwight together because they kept losing those minutes really badly. Really badly. So then his choices essentially were you go Ben – Toby small ball. I don't know if you want to put in Mike Scott or try B ball Paul or just go really small and put in thigh ball and say, Toby, you guard Capella. Uh, ben, you guard the best player, guard Trey, whatever. And let's just run with it. Like maybe by the time they rehearsed some of those switches that are tough to learn, if they had started in December, you know, preparing for this, they might have had a little bit better orchestration of the defense uh, and the offense is certainly better than watching those agonizing Tobias Harris isoing possessions with Dwight Howard's man waiting for him in the paint. And how many seasons now have we been begging for Brett Brown this season, Doc Rivers, whoever it may be, how long have we been begging for them to have Ben Simmons at the five in the time that Joel Embiid needs a rest? We've been pleading begging for it well, we and, have, and we're just no just no you can't have that you can't have, have nice things Sixers fans you can't you're not we allowed have some, we have people at Liberty Ballers I think you know correct me if I'm right I think Dan has argued this maybe Steve has argued this I think at one point Jackson Frank pointed out I'm sure Tom Tobias, has too maybe yeah Tobias plus bench units had a, a positive plus minus um and so there was an argument that that might work. Uh, and if you, if you just refuse to do small ball, which I wouldn't have refused, but if you refuse to do small ball, then maybe that's your best option. Uh, it, it struck me as not the right decision. I, you know, obviously I respect everyone's opinion, but I didn't like the idea of Joel and Ben, your two best players sitting at the same time in a huge moment. Absolutely not. So no I, want, way. I always want Ben and Toby out there every minute Joel sits. Because with, with Joel on the bench, you need somebody to provide the scoring. Joel can do that. And with the rotations, with what the Hawks were doing, you know, they would sit Trey Young, but they were bringing Lou Williams. They would sit Herter, but then bring in Gallinari. Like, you still need somebody of Ben's defensive caliber and his size to guard, you know, the 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 Danilo's Danilo was another guy that killed him when he came in. If you if you parse down, I actually went really nuts on these uh, Toby and bench unit lineups. If you parse them down, the sample size, I think, is is positive because there was like two games, uh, the Thunder and the Cavaliers, and they absolutely destroyed like maybe like a plus 30 or something. And if you just looked at the games against teams that were solid, it wasn't a winning lineup. And, you know, that might be the case. This, these are really small samples we're dealing with. Right. Just intuitively, I was like, the Miami Heat played a, 
played like a seven man rotation in the finals. You can't do this. The guard rotation also was a little bit frustrating towards the end of the series. I was really frustrated with George Hill. I was done with George Hill. I wanted Maxie to get all of the George Hill minutes. I don't know what the hell happened to shake after game. What was that game four? I don't, Doc just forgot that he existed. <laughs> what, what even happened there? Oh man. Like, you know, shake was a savior at one point and then he, he was quickly like not immediately reliable. I guess he's the kind of guy where if he comes in and he bangs his first two shots, you leave him. Otherwise you start to get nervous because he he's going to pick up fouls. Um, he, he might get into the paint and take an odd shot. So I just don't think they felt comfortable with their guard rotation uh, at any point, you know, I mean, Maxi probably got overplay a little bit to a point where, you know, what, what was the last thing? Oh, for two. Right. He, he did uh, show out. He did show some flashes and, you know, sure, we'll, sure. we'll, we'll, we'll get to possible. I, I love Maxi as a piece. I love him as a young player with a lot of potential. Um, but this was, this was a game where it, you would have felt a little bit comfier if you could have Danny Green out there and maybe the version of George Hill you thought you might be getting. That brings me to this point. A lot was made of how the Sixers lost so much when Danny Green went down with his injury. If Danny is in that game, do they do they win game seven? Are, are you positive they win game seven with I, Green I in the be, lineup? I can't be positive, but I well, actually, more more positive than you would be. I think they would. I think I think uh, Herder wouldn't have been Pro- Michael Jordan. Probably not. That's probably true. <laughs> Herder is probably not making shots like that over Danny Green. That's 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 definitely true. That one thing, you know, Danny Green, you don't want him on Trey Young. It was a shocking decision to do in game one to put Dan- Green on Trey. Seriously, but, whose idea was that? But I love <laughs> I like the idea of him on Herder when Herder's hot. Why not? It's not like Herder's blowing by anyone with this phenomenal athleticism. He was just shooting over Seth. Listen, I'm just saying you're you're uh, you're not valuing the the power of the you're not you're not respecting the power of the ginger. You don't know you don't know what you're you don't know what you're doing. You don't know I'll what you're never, up against. I will never disparage gingers. My mother's a redhead. So. <laughs> uh, Danny's a UFA, but he's also going to be 34 next year. Um, do you bring him back for the right price? Uh, yeah, of course. You bring him back for the right price. All right. Um, he's an asset. He's. Uh, I don't know what that price is. I don't know if like, you know, the Hornets or Knicks are going to say, "Hey, we need a guy like that to uh, help help get our young core through the trenches." I don't know if Danny would be no, interested. No, in no. The the Knicks aren't the Knicks aren't signing Danny Green. The the Knicks are going to be spending their offseason overpaying for somebody like Demar Derozan. Mark it down right now. Demar Derozan to the Knicks. June twenty second, twenty twenty one. I'm calling my shot, dude, dude. As we as we recorded this, I was hearing Zach Lowe talk about Ben Simmons for Demar Derozan trade, and I'm like, oh, no, how did we get no. Here? How? Oh, all right, let's let's. Okay, let's get into this. Survivor forty six is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. 
Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ben Simmons had an absolutely atrocious series, and I don't know how it happened. He looked, he looked good against Washington and then came in against Atlanta, and those fourth quarters were brutal. What the hell happened between those two series? Because Atlanta is not as talented as the Wizards in terms of guards. There's Russell and Bradley Beal. And Atlanta would just had Trey Young. The rookie was hurt. I, I don't know what the hell got into Ben's head. So here, here's my qualifier before we, uh, we tear him a new one. We have, there's premising. <laughs> I'm just going to premise this with or prefacing. I'm sorry. He, he had like a, a visible painful to watch sort of, you know, got in his own head type of thing. Like, I think it was related to the free throw line more than anything else. But even then on the series, he was not a, a negative plus minus. He was not. That is he true. Was he was not. Uh, he was a, See, I think he was a plus 29 was not was not a net negative, which is, I guess, one of the things you want from your one of your three when, highest paid players. When Ben Simmons was on the floor in that series, they outscored the Hawks by 29 points. So I mean, what you want, we, you, you can then introduce elements of, you know, do you want much, much more from a max level guy? We had this conversations last year about Horford and Tobias yep. making $40 billion and you're scoring nine points. This is disgusting. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's as simple as that with Ben, because I think he's a really, really talented guy. I think even when he's just has nothing offensively, he's not missing shots. He, other than the free throw line, he's just not taking them. He's just not taking them. So he's going to, he's going to continue to lock down Trey young. Uh, and he's going to deal with whatever demons he was dealing with. Um, <laughs> that I believe here's how I would try to defend what we saw. Here we go. Here we go. I think you, you've had a job where you're really great at something. And then there's an element of that job that you're not good at at all. Yeah, hundreds of times. <laughs> Every then, job I've ever had. And then so they give you exclusively the worst part of your job where you're just not good at it. And for him, that's kind of the dunker spot. You know, you just people call him a point guard. But what we saw for months now was he brings it up and then Seth charges around for a handoff. Fine. Tobias sprints up to him for handle fine. He does a little roll. They almost never hit him on that roll. Right. And then he hides for the possession, hopes for an offensive rebound. And so he's not very helpful or good in that role. Remember that Spurs game where he had the tip in? Like, yes. He, he did that, but he was nothing the rest of the game offensively. 
And it's, and then you think of the game where Embiid was out against Washington and it's like, okay, right. If we, if we let him do some stuff, if we give him some possessions where he can get ahead of steam, maybe, maybe Korkmaz with a space floor can hit him on a short roll. Right. Korkmaz actually can make that pass. Seth Curry can too. Sometimes, um, they don't have anyone who can like do it consistently. They don't have like a Mike Conley, um, heaven forbid, a Chris Paul who could just <laughs> hit him on it all the time. But uh, get him involved, and I think maybe you could have avoided what we ended up seeing. Just give him some stuff, you know. Give him uh, an ISO here, a post up there, three possessions per half. That's it. Just right. not not always the dunker spot because I think he started to get in his head that. I'm worthless. I'm doing nothing offensively. The only thing that's happening is they're fouling me and I'm missing my free throws. Now I'm embarrassed. And I think that gets to a person if you're just like set in that dunker spot, for example, like you said, and and you just get discouraged. You just get in your your head. You're just like, okay, what can I really do right now? And I don't know, is that related to his limitations on the perimeter? Does he just not have post moves? I don't know what it is. I don't know where... I don't know when that light bulb is going to click where some coach looks at Ben Simmons, looks at who's guarding him and tells Ben, hey, you got this six foot zero guy guarding you. Take him to take him to the to the hole. Post him up. Do something else. Here's the most frustrating thing about it to me. And it's not the free throws because we know he's a bad free throw shooter and you could kind of see once it got in his head, he became worse at it. Like, right. I can't fault a guy for that. Cause I can kind of relate to it. Like if you get in your head, you might suck. You're <laughs> a good public speaker, but then you, you know, you have a brain fart and then you screw up the next one. Um, Listen, my first month, my first month at Liberty Ballers was treacherous. I, I, <laughs> I thought I was, I thought I was going to quit after that first month. I had some horrible takes that first month, but I hear your point. My point is basically I, I can kind of see how once you're in your head, you're in your head. And that happens to people in all walks of life. But what, we've seen what, it before. <laughs> we have. But here's what bothers me. Here's my biggest beef with Ben at this point. Ultimately, this is your legacy. And maybe the coach is saying, just go hide. Just do nothing. Right. Maybe that's the whole game plan. And either you're shy, too shy to say, I hate this, or you're just being a tremendous soldier and saying, look, this is Joel's team. I get it. This is Joel's city. We're winning. We're the one seed. We can do it with this exact recipe. I'm not going to rock the boat. But I would prefer if he had a little bit of that, like, I have no soft skills, Kawhi Leonard sociopath in him to just, you know, when Tobias Harris is like eight of, 26 or whatever and comes over asking for the ball just wave him away disgustedly and right. bar- barbecue Bogdanovich <laughs> all game all game just to get away just like, from me get like, out of my way I got Bogdan Bogdanovich guarding me I got this just move he did it he did it six games ago against the Wizards without Joel he you know he pointed people away he said get out of there get out of there and he crossed over Daniel Gafford and scored a layup a couple of times. Or he, he backed someone down and he hit Matisse on a backdoor cut. And he orchestrated things. He was the floor general. He can do it. I know the Wizards are not nearly as good as the Hawks. Right. 
but you just wish that he was visibly disgusted at some point where he was like, I hate this game plan. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to change it. Even if you bench me for it. Here's so uh, this is one section of Ben Simmons slander. I will not stand for. And, mm-hmm. um, anybody that wants to debate me with this, you can come at me. You know, my mm-hmm. Twitter handle at this point, I don't <laughs> care. I refuse to accept any kind of slander that Ben is not out here working hard to fix his problems. I refuse to believe that anyone in any job situation getting paid that much money is just comfortable sitting on their laurels as they are. There's no doubt in my mind that Ben understands what he has to fix and that he is in the gym fixing it. So to say something like that or allude to something like that with no actual proof, you're just going on your gut. Something I will not stand for. Do you agree or disagree? I think with him, it's murky. I think uh, your own Weissman penned a piece today where he talked about how the plan after 2018 was he was going to work all summer with shooting coach at the time, John Townsend. Right. And Ben Nixit to work with his stepbrother. Um, He's been asked things and he said stuff like, well, it's not just the shooting. I need to do this. I need to do that. Other stuff all all around game. So I don't question that he's working. Uh, I'm sure maybe he's working a lot harder than he used to. I think uh, Weitzman wrote that he used to leave practices on time. Mm-hmm. And then over, over the years, he started staying much later and working much harder. So you respect that for sure. My question is, is he working as smart as he could be working? Because that's Shaq, a good point. Shaq practiced his free throws. Shaq took a million practice free throws. But what is, where does it get you if, you just, if you're not actively changing the form? You have just really have no chance. <laughs> no chance you know, uh, the Sixers had a shooting coach back in the day named Buzz Brayman. He used to say, only perfect practice makes perfect. Practice doesn't make perfect with shooting. Nice. Rick Mahorn used to go in there and practice free throws and never make any. I will say this about Ben and <laughs> – Listen, y'all, I understand you're upset. I understand you're frustrated. I get it. But me personally, and I'll ask Dave the same question. I am not part of the trade Ben Simmons train that is steamrolling through Philadelphia right now. I am not on that train. I let that train go right by the station that I was standing at and I'll wait for the next train. Uh, are, Are you on the platform with me as well watching that train go by? I take the Sam Hinkie approach. Remember when he was asked about uh, evaluating Andrew Bynum? He was like, we're going to evaluate Andrew just like we were another thousand, <laughs> thousand people. I look at it like that. Ben's on the table, fine. Joel can be on the table, fine. I'll take any calls. I'm not whoa, gonna- whoa, 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 wait a second. Hold on a second now. Let's, let's not get too crazy here. It's just, it's just the point. You know, he's the, he's the franchise. You would never want to trade him. Okay, but- all right called and said i'll give you middleton and Giannis for him you'd consider it at least you're not just gonna hang up oh yeah yeah <laughs> if, Mil- if milwaukee is- calls it's like listen we want joel we'll give you Giannis and chris middleton uh how soon can you have him on the plane all i'm saying is you know it, just be open-minded at all times and don't just make it tr- you know daryl morey hopefully learned that if you've got some sort of beef between players and i know joel was 
pointing out without pointing out the, the play where Ben didn't dunk you last night. And yeah. that, that stung. That disappointed me because I get that Joel so frustrated, so frustrated. And I get that he must be thinking, bro, come on. I'm out here with the torn knee killing it. And what are you doing? It's Trey but, Young. Dunk but, him into the Stone Age. Yeah, it must have killed him. But <laughs> – uh, it's just not helpful because if you're Daryl Morey, you're thinking either you're going to have to play with this guy next year, and that's going to be awkward for a little bit now. Yeah. Or I'm going to get lowballed all summer because people think I've got a James Harden, Chris Paul situation, and I use four picks just to get Russell Westbrook, which will make our quote unquote James Harden want to get fat and leave in a year anyway. Wow. Firing shots at James Harden. Well, completely warranted. Completely warranted. Jimmy Jimmy Butler got out of there. James Harden got out of there. Davis got out of there. If Joel wanted Ben gone to the point where he said, just just get him out of here. I can't stand him anymore. And they took a huge lack of value on that trade. Then within 12 months, Ben uh, Joel would probably be realizing there's just not a future for me here. Right. <laughs> it, but you, you brought in Sexton and Kevin Love. And we have. Ah, no. Yeah, Jesus. So, so you can't just do it to do it. It has to be the right trade. And who is that guy? Is it Levine? Is it Beal? Because I, uh, I don't think it's McCollum. I watched him in that series. I watched him playing against Denver. He didn't look like a guy who would put anyone over the top. I'd much rather offer four picks and. I, and Matisse for like just a guard who can help a guy like Lowry. Every, everybody says Zach Levine. I'm just not, I'm just not seeing it. I'm just not I'm just there. trying to think who's the worst player you would trade Ben for right now and feel you have a better title chance. We're, we're probably in Zach Levine, D'Angelo Russell territory, but again, I don't know how Ben helps the Timberwolves. See, if they're just going to be, if, if they're just going to be shipping Carl Anthony towns out anyway. If you bring in a guy like Russell, so you keep Ben, you keep Matisse, you keep Joel, you're probably looking at a top three defense. Is there any way with all of your picks, with Maxi developing, with maybe shopping Tobias, that you can improve the offense a little bit? Right. You can't maybe, maybe bring in Rick Carlisle to optimize the bench rotation. And that would be nice. Kill the Dwight minutes so that the offense isn't always awful when Joel sits. Fire the Dwight minutes into the sun. And I, uh, so I wouldn't do Russell, but you have to absolutely have to consider guys like uh, Levine and Beal. So you're so, so you're down on CJ McCollum. That's interesting because the mean, first the, gotta, the first trade idea I had, and I did this in the Slack channel with you know mixed reviews. Uh, ben to Portland for CJ and Rocco. You know, when you add in Rocco, I I can't just say no. I did tweet like the Sixers should consider maybe buying low on CJ, but I hadn't put Ben in that trade at that point because Ben didn't have like a low point series. Right. But CJ and Rocco, you know, I'd have to really think about that. But you'd have to you'd have to, of course, like find a point guard to make the offense work because, yeah, CJ's not doing that. And you're not going to ask Seth Curry to do that. Um, yeah. I, I don't, okay, I, I, I don't know. know. I don't know who's going to be on the like vet minimum market. Like, I, like if, if Reggie Jackson will take a vet minimum, that's not the worst idea. Here's something that goes through my head. Joel wasn't completely healthy for the 2019 playoffs or this one. 
I don't know what the plan is for him next year. Are they going to say you absolutely have to load manage? You're not you're going to miss 20 to 30 games period. Yeah, that's it. And if they do, which I think they should, um, there's still a chance. Like, who knows with this meniscus? Does he realize he needs surgery in the middle of the year? You saw what would happen if Ben Simmons was not on Trey Young. It was just always a floater or a lob dunk because Trey would walk into the lane. Right. And so what if Joel is not 100% defensively like he was not uh, this series? And you've got CJ McCollum out there. You're going to hemorrhage a thousand points per game. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I guess that's why I threw in Rocco, just because of the simple fact that like he can make up for he can, yeah, not having Simmons in the starting lineup anymore. Of course, you have to move some other things around. You know, CJ would have uh, Seth would have to go to the bench, uh, find you know whatever point guard you can get on the vet minimum market, but putting Seth back to the bench probably makes the bench a lot better. And who knows? Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you give Maxi a run, maybe give him a shot as the starting point guard. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not looking, I'm not just looking to make a move just to make a move. Right. I think they're a 50 plus women team. If they just stay pat and, and trim around the edges and nip the like gaping holes in their rotations that they had this year. Yeah. But, I don't but think if the this right is... deal came along. You've got to listen. I'd rather trade a bunch of picks and other stuff just for the guy that we thought George Hill was, or like the Lowry deal we had sniffed. We weren't going to trade Simmons in that. It was going to be Danny Green. If listen, if all if the if all that happened was that Ben had an atrocious offensive series, one that I, I don't know. I I kind of doubt he has another one of those. Maybe right. I, I still think the team is in decent shape going into next season. It's not like all is lost. We're not, si- to be we're, not, we're not sitting out here like we're the Charlotte Hornets, for God's sake. <laughs> you, said, you said Steve was the one because he would have some silver lines. I can think of some for sure. Like, Joel and B would have been at absolute war trying to guard Giannis for a series oh. on a torn knee. Can you, guarantee, can you guarantee me that Tara wouldn't have gotten even a modicum bigger? No, no, I can't. So, I mean, maybe it was always about 2022. They've still got a pile of picks. Maybe, uh, maybe it was a blessing that Joel didn't have to bang with Giannis for seven, eight, for six, seven games. There was no way they were going to beat Milwaukee by using Ben as you're just the dunker spot guy. You do nothing offensively. And Dwight Howard's going to play in the minutes where Joel sits. No chance. There's no way they were, that was going to work. Bucks Milwaukee Milwaukee just got done beating Brooklyn in Brooklyn. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Milwaukee going into the playoffs. That was the one team I was the most fearful of. I told everybody on Liberty Ballers. Nobody bought it. And then they took down Brooklyn in seven. And I've been sitting here like I told you so since Saturday night. I'm here to I'm here to build your statue. I'm here to tip my cap. You said it. You said it to me all year. I didn't buy it. I want the um, finest bronze in front of the Liberty Ballers headquarters. You, the, you wrote the article that made uh, Best of SB Nation. So everyone got to read your take. The which finest was, bronze. It was a hot take at the time, but it's not so hot now. That's right. That's but yeah, right. They would have they beat the Sixers because the Sixers beat themselves so often. Exactly. <laughs> and, oh, God, okay. 
I feel listen, I felt horrible after game seven. I'm not woe is me. I'm not all is lost. There are some reports that Doc has a plan for Ben Simmons trying to fix him in the offseason, which is being met with like mixed reaction. This I can't even listen to that. Him him saying I'm bullish on Simmons and I'm like, well, we're bearish on you, man. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) It's like, listen, if you walked out, we'll call Rick Carlisle tomorrow. That's where we are with you, my man. I'm just saying I I wanted to hear what he messed up. I want to I guess Daryl's going to talk tomorrow. I want to hear you. You of all people absolutely knew that there were going to be these like Greg Monroe like plus minuses. Why? Why didn't you stop it? (laughs) (sighs) Dave Early, always, always a pleasure talking to you. And you know what? It's it's going to be another one of those long, rough news filled off seasons where everyone is on the trading block. And according to you, who was wrong about the process in 2014 is here for another ill-founded victory lap. And it's driving me insane. It's absolutely it's it's mind numbing. I I don't even want to listen to it. I don't want to listen to it. I don't want to read it. Just no. Should have kept Evan Turner and not just gotten Joel Embiid. Yeah, for real. (laughs) And and I'll just say I'll just say. I still believe in Ben Simmons, even though it is not a secret among Liberty Ballers, among my colleagues, that I was a Brandon Ingram guy at the time of that draft. Mm. Uh, it is well known. It is it is well versed and well noted how much of an Ingram guy I was. I still want to be very, very wrong, but I I just can't. I can't give up on this kid because he's he's really listen. For that one shortcoming that he has, he's still really, really good. I'm not trying. I'm not asking him to be a Hall of Famer out there. Just be better than you were this playoff series. You had a rough seven games. Just come back next season. Show me something that you haven't done in the five years that you've been here. Just show me something different. I'll be happy, Ben. I'll be happy. Show me some post moves. Show me that. Show me that sweet sweeping hook shot. Get that thing like wet. If you can do that, I'm happy with you, brother. I'm serious. Just show me something different. He's got to come back with with a couple new footwork moves for the post. He he's got to have like a reliable little bank shot on both sides when he's got a mismatch. And he's got to have a little up and under. He's got to learn how to change his pivot feet like Jokic does. He always shoots off the original pivot foot, but you're allowed to change that nowadays. And he, he never utilizes that. Joel knows to utilize it. I, I have a genius idea. And I love that you just said that because it's a perfect segue. The media just loves to say that Ben and Joel don't like each other. Well, have him have Joel teach Ben some post moves. Let's just do that. Let's just get that on the table. I'll be honest. If I were Ben Simmons, I don't know if I would want to hang out with him after. <laughs> well, find I don't know. Find find somebody. Like, I you love, know, I Jokic love is a great like, idea. I would be mad. I would be mad if I was <laughs> Dave. Always nice having you on. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Uh, hopefully, under uh, more pleasant circumstances. But you know what? It's always fun. I'll tell you this. There's just an optimism in your voice that I didn't expect to hear. I can't help it. <laughs> and you said she'll vibe i was like oh but there is an optimism i heard in your voice and it makes me feel better about what was a brutal 
painful <laughs> off. I think I lost years off the end of my life. <laughs> I, I can't help it. I can't be Mr. Negative all the time because two reasons. One, that's just not how I roll. Two, there's enough Mr. Negatives in Philadelphia. What they don't need another one. Like, come on. Can I ask you a quick question? Sure. What was what moment is going to stand out in your mind more at this point? The time where Al Horford screamed on an N one, they lost in the sweep to Boston, or the or the scream that Tobias did finally making a layup. <laughs> it was like, do you remember? Uh, probably, probably the Al Horford because uh, it it was just funny to see that. <laughs> just seeing Al Horford show emotion with the with with his mouth guard in it was just it was just a weird funny looking thing like i'm sorry <laughs> and, and i'm not looking forward to, i'm not looking to forward to horford being back in boston i'll tell you that right now yeah you think he's gonna turn back the clock i i, I don't know how but you know what only against us only against us yeah exactly yeah. He'll, he'll go four for four from three and in, in like a in like a deciding game somehow and go kevin herter on us oh god Actually, I'm not even. Actually, I'm not even worried about the Celtics. Who who even knows who the hell their coach is going to be? Yeah. Although, right, here's here's my um. Here's although my, if it's Carlisle, I might just shit bricks. Uh, yeah, I'd be scared of that. Scared. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what you you said you had one more uh, quick question for me. What do you got? No, here's my um. Here's my wired tired for you. All right. Tired. The Sixers should have kept Mikael Bridges. Wired, they should have done the Zaire Smith trade and just taken Herder. Okay, on, on that note, I, I, <laughs> I got between between we could have had TJ between we could have had TJ Warren for a two piece and a biscuit, and we could have had Kevin Herder. Yeah, my, my brain is starting to hurt now. <laughs> God damn it, Dave, you're killing me, small. Out of sight, man. Chill vibes. Come on. Ah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, always appreciate you having you on, Dave. I'll talk to you soon. Uh, another long off season on the horizon. Let's just enjoy it. Let's just enjoy it. Let's just forward to your ideas. Let's just embrace it and enjoy it. Like we always do. Yes. Appreciate you. Talk to you soon, Dave.